The following is a presentation of the Matt Talk Podcast Network. And welcome wrestling fans to the Ice Hour. This podcast is aimed at promoting the world of Division Three college wrestling and is named for the late Hall of Fame coach Dave Eisenhower. Here we'll talk about topics and news that's relevant to those who compete for the love of the sport in Division Three. The Ice Hour is sponsored by My House Sports Gear. Check out their line of wrestling gear and apparel at MyHouseSportsGear.com. Subscribe using your favorite podcasting app by going to MattTalkOnline.com slash ice. Episode 10 of the Ice Hour, a D3 Wrestling Podcast here on the Matt Talk Podcast Network. My name is Jason Bryant. Today, I'm going to be joined by a three-time Division Three All-American, a U.S. World Team member, and Olympic Trials champion, Joe Rao, out of Elmhurst. First of all, Joe, welcome to the Ice Hour. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. So you're currently in Colorado Springs, a couple weeks removed from, uh, I guess it's got to be a little bit of a disappointment. We'll just start with there with the uh, the, la- the two yeah. last chance qualifiers but uh, you know you're right you're right back to the grind you won the trials you had two tournaments to compete in now you're in Colorado Springs training i mean uh how much time off was there it didn't seem like there was a whole lot for you well yeah i mean we just got back from the second qualifier in Istanbul just still not even like a week ago so i i came out to to the OTC and most of it is just kind of getting on the you know, from getting on the mat, I'm kind of just doing, you know, really easy, like, technique or I'm helping guys out. I'm not really going hard. And uh, I'm out here getting my knee looked at because I got a little knee problem. So i just kind of been lifting and going to practice but not going super hard. So I'm still kind of resting, but I'm not away from wrestling. <laughs> we'll come back to the uh, the international styles here in a bit. Let's just go back in time. One-time state qualifier, and I believe uh, there were some stories uh, written in the press about uh, when I was announcing the Olympic trials, I was making a point that you were never a state place winner in Illinois. You had qualified one time, and yeah. uh, you, you go through that. What what made you fall in love with wrestling so much that, like, okay, you didn't win, you did, you, you, you know, okay, high school wasn't what I wanted it to be, but you still just kept going after it. I mean, what, what made you want to compete in this sport? Yeah, I mean, that was funny that they brought that up, too, because you know, in the interview, it says like it says like my reply was I just want trials. I don't care, and I don't remember saying that. I don't think I did, Jason. I swear to God, I was I was just like I kind of just laugh about the that you bring it up because you know it was really uh, it was really hard at the time in high school, but now I kind of take a little pride in it. It's weirdly, you know, that I wasn't a, a placer or a, or a state champ, but. I mean, I fell in love with wrestling from day one when I was six years old, and, uh, you know, it, it's never left. And, you know, not always, you know, being as successful as, as the next guy, you know, never really, never really, uh, you know, made me love it any less. And I guess, I guess uh, until you win big things, you really don't know how bad it is. You know, <laughs> I mean, it, it always sucks losing, but... Now when I lose, I feel like it's harder than back when I was not that good because I was a little bit more used to losing or something. I don't know if that makes sense, but I've always I've always loved wrestling, man, and I don't think anything could uh, could really uh, take that away from me. 
you're a Chicago guy. I think the first time I remember seeing you wrestle, it might have been your sophomore year, if I'm not mistaken. You, you wrestled the Midlands, I think. I, I, how many times? I think you wrestled the Midlands three times. And I remember looking over, it's like, yeah. oh, who's that D3 kid? Elmhurst right down the road. Whoa, is that a Chicago tattoo with shamrocks in it? What's what's the story behind the tattoo? <laughs> yeah, so my brother my brother uh, is a big tattoo guy, and he always is trying to get me to get a tattoo. And when I turned 18, he was like, you got to get a tattoo, you got to get a tattoo. And then I, I was like, no, man, I can't, I can't get a tattoo and wrestle unless I'm good. So maybe if I went Fargo, I'll get a tattoo. And I was just, I went into Fargo, you know, like I wanted to win it, but I didn't really have, I mean, I didn't know if I was going to win or not, but it wasn't even in the back of my mind. But I came back, my brother was like, remember what you said? You got to get a tattoo now. You got to get a tattoo. And I'm not really that into tattoos. So I was like, man, what am I going to get that I like, you know, I'm going to be okay with being out and make the rest of my life. I was like, I get Chicago, you know, the Chicago flag. That's where I'm from. Chicago Irish. I mean, some Irish born on St. Patrick's Day. Chicago Irish. I can live with that. And then that was, you know, most people when they get tattoos, they say it's addictive and they get a ton more. Well, I got that when I was 18 that I never got another one until this year. So, uh, yeah, that's the story behind that. Yeah, I got one in 2004 and then i didn't get another one until 2012 when my daughter was born and now my, my second kid's going to be coming in a couple of months yeah that will be tattoo number three and coincidentally joe when you're back when you're back at the twin cities if you're ever got a hankering again my next door neighbor is a tattoo artist so uh, i think we, we got you taken oh, care of there uh, as All is right. my brother-in-law right. so go figure but uh, as we we talk about high school <laughs> and we talk about fargo coming out of high school when when was the commitment made? When did you opt to go to Elmhurst? Say, all right, I'm I'm going to wrestle Division Three at Elmhurst. Well, um, I got stu- some stuff in the mail before my before my season was over, um, my senior year in high school, and uh, we had we had uh, Matt Sassolino that that went to St. Pat's. He coached at St. Pat's, um, and then he went to Elmhurst. And he was still my coach, you know, and so he had the connection there. And then, uh, you know, I met Steve Marinetti a couple times because he's actually my dad's second cousin. So it's super, super uh, distantly related to me. But, you know, I always heard about him and then he coached me a little bit. And uh, so I got some stuff in the mail. And then, you know, right after the season, I, you know, I came out for a visit. And uh, just walked around, ate lunch, hung out with Steve, and I pretty much was just like, yeah, I'll, I'll come here. <laughs> and, you know, it wasn't like a, I wasn't really sought after. I wasn't like recruited super hard, not even for Elmhurst. You know, they like recruited me, but they definitely didn't think coming in that I was going to be their, their like uh, big time wrestler. They had a lot of other uh, big time recruits, like guys that were more successful in high school that they were getting. And then they saw me win Fargo, and then. And then all American and freestyle. Then they got a little excited about me, but they weren't really excited about me. So I wasn't even very like recruited that hard, even on the D three level. Like, but uh, it kind of just like come in for a visit, came in, like all right, I'll come here. And then that was that was pretty much it. And uh, and then uh, you know, I I thought I thought you know a time or two about not even doing it halfway you know that summer, and. Uh, you know, because I was very wishy-washy and very, uh, I don't know, I had all kinds of things going on. I almost joined the Army. 
just to go in and my mom almost killed me because my brother and my dad were overseas at the moment. <laughs> and, uh, and then, uh, actually three days into orientation at Elmhurst, I almost left to go to Boise cause they had, uh, they had a Greco program out there. And then, then my dad called me on a satellite phone and was like, you got to get your degree, you idiot. You know? <laughs> so uh, that's kind of how that went. And then, yeah, so I came in with Steve kind of mad at me, like, what, what is with this kid? But then once I was there, you know, started doing work and committed, and I started to fall in love with D3. And, you know, as a high school kid, just kind of like D1 or bust in your mind. And uh, I think it's kind of dumb because there's so many tough wrestlers at the D3 level. I'm just still that that quote from your dad just kind of resonating in my head. Get your degree, you idiot. It seems to me that that's kind of a contradiction in terms, right? Yeah, 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 right. All right. So when I, exactly. I want to stick with the Fargo thing for a minute, and when people go to Fargo, typically not a whole lot of graduating seniors are going out there nowadays. So they've you know the big time names they've already signed, and they're they're getting in. To, to class early in the summer and they're getting their credits built up. And how much did your phone start ringing more after uh, you won a Fargo title in Greco-Roman? Yeah. So I, I started getting some phone calls, but it was kind of a lot more like, you know, most of our scholarships are spoken for, but we'd love to have you out and uh, you know, prove yourself for a year and maybe we can give you a scholarship or a lot of like, Hey, come walk on. And, you know, and there's a lot of them were people I was trying to talk to that weren't interested. And then I won Fargo American and Freestyle. And all of a sudden they were like, hey, you still want to come? I'm kind of like, no. <laughs> but uh, Because, you know, I just had a bad taste in my mouth. But, <laughs> but uh, you know, I, I after winning Fargo, I was super excited about Greco. So I almost wanted to go and do that Boise thing because um, they had they had Ivan Ivanov out there coaching and they had, you know, uh, Kirby and Justin Reese and a bunch of other people out there. So I almost went and did that. Um, but yeah, you know, even after, even after Fargo, I wasn't recruited as much as you would think I was. I had one like brief, I actually had a brief talk with Kale Sanderson after I, I won Greco and then I was six and in freestyle and, you know, Kale Sanderson's like, He's Kale Sanderson, and he's one of my heroes. So he's making fun of my mohawk. And I was like, hey, it's a good luck mohawk. And he's like, wait, are you that kid 215 with a dumb mohawk? And I'm like, yep. <laughs> At this point, I was like 17-0 and with Greco and Freestyle. So he's like, I'm going to watch your next match. You know, why would you, you know, like I'm, I'm going to Penn State next year, and we're trying to build a program and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, my God, Kale Sanderson is going to watch my next match. My next match, I got double-legged on elevated mat to my back by the guy that I beat in the final to Greco. So, Kale Sanderson never talked to me again. But that was a that was a super cool moment for me up, up until I lost that next match. It had to be the it had to be the raise mat too. It had to be mat one. Yeah, right. I was like, oh my god, Kale Sanderson's watching me double-legged to my back. Yeah. Yeah, Kale doesn't do a whole lot of Greco, although he did win more Greco titles in cadets and juniors than he did freestyle. Little little nugget of information there. But as 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 you go through and graduate from St. Patrick's, and then you're 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 there at Elmhurst. What when you started competing? You know when you you, you had a pretty good freshman campaign, and 
what when did you really start realizing like hey I, I not just I can compete at this level I can compete with anybody you know the Midlands opportunities start opening up after that and you know what was that first season of collegiate wrestling like uh, at the division three level based on what your preconceived notions of what division three wrestling might have been well I think for me and for everybody it's kind of like you, you take a wake-up call because you know we get all these one guys they come down to D3 after, you know, whatever happens, and then they think it's going to be a cakewalk. And then, you know, if they really wrestle, you know, at all the tournaments they can wrestle at, you know, you'll often see those guys take a loss or a couple losses. You know, we saw that, like, with Benefield, and we saw that with, like, Dalton. They came in, they thought it was going to be easy, and they lost to some guys that were, like, nobody's compared to them. And then it's like, oh, wait, you know, D3 isn't what I thought it was. And, I learned that quick because the starting of my, you know, I started right away. Um, I, I, I wrestled every, every match from start to finish freshman to senior year. And that's what was a great thing about D3. But, uh, you know, the starting of my season was a little rocky. And then towards the middle, middle of my season, I kind of made a big turnaround and uh, started doing a lot better and better. And I won conference and I picked third at the regional, but that was back when we only took top two and then we were on bids. And I was a freshman, so I didn't get a bid to nationals. But, you know, that kind of made me feel like, hey, I can compete on a D3 level. Like, I can be – I could be, you know, an All-American. I could be a champ. And then, you know, that next summer of training and kind of just – you know, I kind of just lost track of time. Like, like if you hear, ever hear the John Smith quote, that's how I feel like my, my off-seasons and – in you know at Elmer's College where I was just wrestled I wrestled every single day I know I competed at everything I could freestyle Greco you know anything and I was in the room every day and I was lifting every day and I just kind of lost track of time and then over some of those off seasons I was making huge jumps and in the summers I'd, I'd get every D1 guy from the area that I knew you know when they come back home and I'd wrestle with them and I'm like hey I could I could beat these D1 guys I could I could beat, you know, these, these Greco guys when I come out to OTC, you know, I, I could beat anyone if I wrestle well. And a lot of that was talking with Marinetti too. He's like, you know, you wrestle your best, you can compete with anybody. So, you know, I really started to believe, you know, in those, just by, you know, putting in the work and getting myself, you know, competing against the top, top level guys and seeing that like, Hey, these guys aren't, these guys aren't anything I can't compete with. It's it's rare for a guy like Steve Marinetti, a Division One national champion, to be coaching as a head coach at the Division Three level. What were his practices like, and and what did you know about his coaching style beforehand? To be like, okay, you got a guy that's that's uh, he's got a really really good reputation nationally as one of the, one of the great Illinois wrestlers, and he's sitting he's sitting there in D three, and you're like, okay, what? How is this going to be? Is he going to try to run this like a D one room? How did he how did he run the room? Yeah, so. Uh, I mean, I love how he ran the room, and it was, it was counterintuitive of what you would think. Um, he was just like kind of, kind of a. To me, he's like a, he's like a Yoda. He's the Yoda of all of us. But it's not like, it's not like, hey, we're gonna, we're gonna beat you down constantly. Like a lot of times, it's like a lot more laid back and lax. And he wants, he wants it to come from you. Like we could have. Sometimes we'll have practices where guys will be like oh, man, that practice was, like, too easy. And it's like, if that practice was too easy, you weren't working hard enough. Because some of Steve's practice will just be like, we're just drilling. 
for like 45 minutes, you know, maybe some play wrestling, some drill in 45 minutes, and we're getting out of here. And like some guys might take advantage of that and just set drill really, you know, lackadaisical. Like me and the guys that really wanted, really wanted it, and that kind of became everyone in the program, you know, as time went on. And we drilled, you know, as hard as we can, you know. Then, then practice would be hard. And you know, Steve's kind of like a, he's he's not like a huge screamer. He's really, really technical. He's he's really positive, and he wants you to put in the work. And and I feel like that when he gets you to put in the hard work, you know, decide that you're gonna have you're going to make the practice hard, then, you know, it's more fulfilling. It's coming from you. And I think, you know, we have a lot of practice like that. that were a lot more laid back. I hear, you know, even about some D3, D2 programs that had like, you know, three days and two days. And like, we, we never really did that. If if I had a two day, that was because I was pulling someone in to drill with me, you know, we'd have like a wrestle and lift, but he was really, I loved it. Well, you start hitting the podium. You start beating guys. Then, then you start beating Division One guys. What were some things that you remember about, uh, you know, that that maybe that first notable win over a Division One guy that maybe you knew of in high school? You're like, wait a minute, I I just beat this guy. Yeah. So, so like the D one things like that started happening in the summer. Like, uh, I remember there's all kinds of people like that, but the one that sticks in my mind is Ryan Geringer. He was a he was an Illinois kid that I wrestled seven times and I lost to you seven times. And I, I, I think more than half of them, I got pinned by him. And, and then he would come home in the summers and uh, we would have days where I would, you know, I would break him and I'd beat him. And then we'd still have days where we, where he would, he would, you know, be getting the best of me. But, you know, in high school, he would just destroy me. And uh, it was kind of, it was super frustrating, you know, like, I always inspired myself with like the Perry Hendricks feud where, you know, Perry lost to him, what, seven times and beat him in the finals. I was like, one of these days I'm going to beat Garinger. And I never actually wrestled him in a competition after high school, but it, just being in the room with him, I'm like, I could beat Garinger. You know, now I can't. And I'm sure if Garinger ever hears this, he'll be laughing. But, you know, like to me, that was somebody I never could be in high school. But once we started practicing in off season, I could. And then, yeah, I mean, I had to go back to actual competing. I'd have to go back to, uh, you know, Midlands at first. You know, Steve, I was bugging Steve to let me go to Midlands from my, you know, right at my freshman year because they used to send guys and then they stopped sending guys. And Steve told me, I'm not going to send you unless you can actually win matches there. And I think that what he's scared of is that guys in the past went to Midlands that were good D3 wrestlers who got their butt kicked. You know, and then they were kind of like demoralized for part of the season. And then me, I was just kept bothering him and bothering him going to his office like, I want to wrestle Midlands. And I did that for two years, freshman, sophomore year. He didn't let me to my junior year. He's like, all right, I'll let you wrestle with Midlands. And uh, I wrestled with Midlands, and uh, uh, I ended up taking sixth place that year. And I had a couple matches that, yeah, I lost that I should have won. You know, <laughs> I lost to, uh, I was up with, uh, I was up like, Five zero or six zero or something on the Purdue kid and I doing legs and he kind of pinned myself and that was the first loss and then for fifth for fifth I was like there was kind of a controversial call in overtime for the guy from Oklahoma but you know just getting in there and getting a bunch of wins and some of them were big wins you know like majors and techs and 
pins against these D1 guys. I mean, I knew I could do it before I got out there. I just don't think anybody else did. <laughs> I was ready to go to Midland, you know, just some practices I knew I could take, you know, these D1 guys. Yeah, the Midlands being such an iconic tournament in, in the Chicago area, right there at Northwestern, going to Division Three College, the opportunities, they're, they're there to compete in the Midlands, but they're not frequent. You've got to be usually pretty good. And, you know, what were the nerves like the first that first time you stepped on the mat? And, you know, all right, here's Joe Rao Elmhurst. I'm I'm from right around the corner here and I'm wrestling at the Midlands. What you know, what's that experience like? I mean, it is super cool because, I mean, uh, wrestling kind of, you know, with tons of people that I know, like, are, are watching me because, you know, everybody goes to that tournament around the Chicagoland area. And I've been involved in so many different programs, you know, not just that I actually competed for it, but that I came back and helped helped out and had friends in and neighbors and all kinds of people came and watched me, you know, family and friends. And, you know, it was kind of nerve wracking, but it was, it was a super cool experience. And, you know, I've went there and watched it since I was a kid and it was always one of my dreams to win a Midland title. And, uh, and so, you know, I, I was super pumped, pumped for it. And, uh, I knew I could do well there, but I still was super nervous. I remember, you know, before going to the tournament, I had one of our other wrestlers, Danny Balderas, slap me in the face. So it was like, man, I'm so nervous, I can't move. <laughs> he slapped me in the face. I was like, oh, I got this. As and, we, uh, it ended up going well. As we circle back to the Division Three thing, uh, Sophomore year, you place. Then, then the junior year, that it's the one where okay, you're 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 placing at the Midlands. You're kind of penciled in as the favorite at the Division Three Championships, just mainly because you had success at that tournament. You actually had a pretty good season. Uh, let's just not let's not dis- dismiss that. But uh, you know, there, there's there's heartbreak. The sport can can rip you up, tear you out, and not 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 care. Uh, what was that tournament like your junior year? And be like, all right, this uh, this 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 was not what I wanted. Oh man, I mean, I can't really explain it. I mean, I, it's kind of what I'm going through right now too. You know, after not winning trials, but then not actually qualifying the weight and getting to compete in Rio. And, you know, I just talk to a lot of people, and it's the best way to explain it is like you got to treat a hard loss almost like a death because <laughs> it is. It's like you're grieving. It's like you have your own way of getting over it, over you know, over time, and it's gonna burn inside of you forever. And that, I mean. I expected to win uh, D3s that year. I mean, I. but a big difference to me was that, like, from a mental point, like, I expected to win. But, like, when people ask me about it, like, hey, man, good luck. You know, you're going to get it done? I'm like, I hope so. And I would say, I hope so. And then it didn't happen. So then the next year, when I was a senior, same deal. I'm going to be seated one to close the win. And people ask me, like, you're going to get it done? I'm saying, yes, I am. Yes, I am. And it wasn't like a cocky thing. It was like, I'm going to get it done. You know, I'm not even going to hope. I'm going to do it. <laughs> you know, I'm like, a, everybody calls themselves an Olympic hopeful. I like to call myself an Olympic faithful. <laughs> and that's kind of how I had, a, I had to frame my mind. And, uh, you know, it was super devastating. I mean, I can't really, you can't really explain it. But uh, it seriously was like a death. And, Everybody had to talk me super hard into even wrestling back to take third. Uh, you know, it was even hard for me, but I was really proud that I wrestled hard 
and came back and took third. And I was I was super proud of that going forward. But I didn't get get it done. I didn't get the title. But you know, it just helped me change things and become a better wrestler for the next year. And thank God I got it done my senior year, or else I would have uh, <laughs> I would have been really upset, man. Well, that senior year was also something special for Elmhurst. The team took second at the Cedar Rapids Ice Arena because the U.S. Sailor Center was under construction and very tiny, in, intimate confines there. And, uh, you know, it's kind of a real benchmark year for the program. What was it about that team that made you guys perform so well down the stretch and, and at the national championships? Man, it's just like uh, we, we've had a lot of talented teams and talented individuals um, over the past. But that team, the whole starting lineup, we believed could be an all-american everybody everybody was having fun with it everyone you know thought they could do it um and you know in the past we've had some really big standouts we've had a lot of guys in the lineup that kind of were you know i'm a d3 wrestler and i'm uh, you know i'm not gonna try as hard and then we kind of over the four years of me being there like i feel like towards the end of it that senior year everybody was like everybody was a go-getter, which like, it's kind of different from being on a, a, you know, on a D3 team, you'll have guys that are like, you know, that are really into it. Like I want to be the best. And you'll have guys that are like, don't really care. D3, you know? And uh, I, I hated that mentality. And I feel like we kind of got everyone to buy in that year to, to, you know, we want to win it. And also we're going to have fun. Yeah. We had a lot of fun. And I think that's what separated us from a lot of the other teams we were working hard and having fun doing it and uh, I mean and a big change was getting some more talent on the team and we had we had Mikey Benefield come over and I mean we had we had uh Dalton again and we had some talented young guys we had Miguel come through and become an All-American and we should have qualified two more guys that were potential All-Americans and we brought five and we still took second in the country I mean we were competing against guys with teams with full lineups so I feel like we brought our full team there we actually had a chance to win the national title and I don't think people realize it as much as maybe me and Steve did until like until we already got there at nationals and took second but I was like man guys if we all qualify like we should we could actually win a national title and that's what I wanted it didn't happen but it still was great to get you know a trophy and take second Part of that team, uh, you're one of two national champions. Mike Benefield was the other. And you want to talk about two wrestlers with uh, very different wrestling credentials coming out of high school. Mike was the number one ranked wrestler in the country, his weight class. Uh, started at Northwestern, went to Oklahoma State, and then ended up uh, back at Elmhurst, where, as we mentioned earlier, you weren't even a state place winner. And, and you're both there winning the national titles. What did what did Mike bring to the room that was a little different? And, uh, you know, you had mentioned he had. He had took t- taken some losses during the year. He's like, "Well, wait a minute. Uh, I'm I'm supposed to be crushing these guys. What what did you do to help Mike? And what did Mike do to help you in terms of both you winning national titles?" Oh man, I mean, yeah, we're definitely yin and yang as far as story goes. And uh, <laughs> and and you know, he he was pretty laid back too. And I I feel like you know I I come off as laid back, but I I feel like internally I'm more high strung. So he always helped me be relaxed too, you know, just like Steve did. And, uh, you know, from a technical standpoint, I mean, he helped me, you know, tremendously, you know, just wrestling around with him. 
every day and, and getting his feel because, you know, he's just, he's just unbelievable how, how good he could wrestle and the things he could do when he wants to. And, uh, you know, from a technical standpoint, I finally had a guy in the room that could, that could beat me if, if he, you know, went hard. So, you know, where I would have to kind of like usually find ways, we have to find ways to, to make, you know, practice, practice, uh, more challenging to me in the years past, because like, if I was just crushing all my practice partners at, at Elmhurst, Steve would say like, well, the technique we're working on that you can't hit in matches yet, you got to start trying those moves on these guys now on live. And those are the only moves you can try and score with. So I had to find ways to challenge myself in years past to where, hey, Mikey comes my senior year. I'm, I'm challenged every day. I wrestle with them, you know, and, and that was huge for me. And I think, you know, from a technical standpoint, Mikey loves that fireman's and I love underhook. So it's like I I helped him because it wasn't easy for him to fireman's me because I have good underhook, and he helped me technically because if I didn't have a good underhook, I was going to get fireman's. And uh, it's funny because Marinetti told him he'd never hit that on an All-American, that fireman's, before he went into college, and then he's hit it on tons of D1, D3 All-Americans. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I can't really uh, – I can keep talking about it all day, but yeah, I mean, the help was awesome and we're two totally different people, but I love the guy. He's a ton of fun. How heavy are his hands? They're they're pretty dang heavy and he's, he's pretty slick is something that like, I always remember is that like, I'm just strong. <laughs> I'm just really strong. But what I always remember from Russell Mikey was how dang slick he was. He was like, to me, he was more like a cat, and he was slick, and he could, you know, he was technically really sound. But his hands are pretty heavy, but uh, heavy hands are just not really something that I'm I, I kind of I'm, I'm kind of used to that, especially in Greco. As we move to Greco-Roman, you finish up at Elmhurst National Champion. The, it, Greco seemed to be obvious for you with the background you had in it, the Fargo titles, and then one year out, one year after you're done with the division, you make a world team uh, wrestling in Tashkent, Uzbekistan. I, I tell you, uh, it was an interesting trip. We'll get into that in a moment. But uh, one year out of Division Three, and you're on a world team at 80 kilos, so you're you're dropping down from 184 uh, in pounds because uh, you know realize uh, you you got to work this kilo to pound thing. So to 80 kilos, which is about 176. So that was a cut. And now you're back. That you're up at 216. I mean. You, you. I mean, we know you like to eat, but when when you're making the weight and then still performing at that level, you know what were the difficulties you had to do? I mean, you were on a pretty strict diet, from what I recall, and and then going down to weight, and then you're like this D three guy making a world team. Yeah. So I mean, man, what a crazy journey of ups and downs. I mean, I went. I didn't even. Be, I wasn't even national team at eighty five because remember we had we had the trials for the Olympic weights and then they announced that there was going to be these non-Olympic weights and trials like afterwards. So, so I go to trials at 85 uh, kilos, which is, uh, what was it? 187. And then, uh, and then I don't, I lose the provisor there and I don't, uh, I lose the Courtney Myers and I lose the provisor. So I don't make national team top three, even at 85. And it was just a really bad day for me. I lost to someone I've beat before. And, uh, and then I go to universities 
because my way, my best way of getting over a loss is to go and compete again. Because that's one hard thing on senior level. It's not like college where you're constantly competing every week. It's you compete every month or so. So when you lose, you have to live with it until the next time you compete. And uh, so I, I went to the next thing I could. I went to university, and I beat Proviso there at 85 to make the university uh, world team. And went to University Worlds, 0-1-1, you know, another disappointment, a comeback. I got 10 days. I'm probably 30-some pounds over. I'm like, I'm going to go 80. I call my coach. I'm like, I'm going to go. I'm going to go 80. And he's just like, uh, Chandler doesn't want to agree with me because he doesn't want to die and it be on his hands. And he's like, uh, <laughs> That's just I'm not a you... way of putting it. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't want to tell you to, uh, do anything. I think you'd be a monster at that weight if it's possible, but uh, I don't want to tell you to go one way or the other. And he kind of just wanted me to show him and, uh, and I'm going to do it and I'm going to make weight. <laughs> and, and I made weight, you know, nearly died every time I made 80, but, uh, <laughs> I made it just, you know, last dish effort to make that world team and it worked out. And, uh, I mean, talk about ups and downs, you know, losing, making the university team, losing the worlds, then making the, <laughs> making the world team at 80. And it was, uh, I mean, I don't know, to me, and I had a bunch of other stuff wrapped up in there, you know, off the mat problems. So for me, it was just crazy. And, uh, and but I mean I'm kind of used to craziness, especially when it comes to this sport and ups and downs. And you know it was a great experience. And I really I I still say it. I think I should have I think I should have medaled one of these years at 80 kilos because I was beating that Swiss guy I think by five or six points. And uh, and I ended up getting thrown because I ran into him with an underhook. But uh, I think I was so hyped up that I couldn't settle down. Normally if I'm up by six points, I would kind of play it smart. <laughs> But I lost to that Swiss guy I should have beat. And then next, that Swiss guy had the Russian who ended up taking silver. And that Russian was getting tired every match. And I was bigger than him. And I got great conditioning. So I think I could have beat Saliev. Or if I didn't beat him, he made the finals. I would have got a repetrage. So I think, you know, I kind of leave every tournament thinking I could have done better. Even when I won it. Even when I win the tournament, I think I could have done better. <laughs> but it was, you know, it was a great experience. And, uh. Yeah, I mean, I can't, I can't really, uh, I can't really explain the feelings, but it was totally a roller coaster. With that world team in Tashkent, part of the training camp was in Kazakhstan, and I understand you guys had a little bit of uh, food issues over there, which for you is is probably terrible oh. because you you'd like to eat, even though you really weren't eating a whole lot at the time. But you know that, that training camp, Matt Linland's a new coach, first world championships. You go to Kazakhstan, then. Then Uzbekistan. It just talk about the trip when in, not not involving the wrestling part of it, but going to the other part of the world, being just a Chicago kid, be like, all right, I'm in Kazakhstan and I'm in Uzbekistan now. Yeah, I know. Everybody's like, it's so exciting. You're going to travel the world. Where are you going to go? And I'm like, Kazakhstan. They're like, where? Where Borat's from? I'm like, yeah. And then Uzbekistan. And then they're like, is that a real place? Yeah, it is. Look it up. But uh, you know what's funny? I remember when we were doing the MTC thing, you were like, Joe Rao, do you even know where Uzbekistan is? And you were telling me to point it out on a on a hypothetical map of the world, and you are making fun of me for that. 
And then, hey, I found out where it was, so I had to go there. <laughs> you remember that? <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, uh, I wasn't expecting you to bring that story up, but, uh, yeah, yeah, completely remember that. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, I mean, it was interesting. And their food, I mean, man, they would let, like, they would leave their meat out, like, unrefrigerated for hours before they serve it to us. And then if we didn't eat it, they'd chop it up and they'd put it in the next meal, you know, in a different way. And I was just like, man. So every, pretty much everybody there got sick. And uh, I don't have to go into specifics, but, you know, normal food poisoning kind of stuff. And it was it was pretty brutal. And we were out in Kazakhstan for a three-week camp of three days. And while, like, freestylers in Italy and stuff like that, living it up. I mean, I'm sure they were working hard, but it was like we were – in the middle of the dirt, <laughs> you know, sick and, uh, be, you know, wrestling three days. And, uh, I mean, I still had fun with it. It still was super cool to me. And a lot of that camp, I was just getting my butt kicked because it literally was university worlds was my first, my first international Greco experience. And I went on one and there was no training camp leading up to it. And then this was my second international experience. So, I'm like, you know, it's like kind of like I'm my first time really wrestling a lot of foreigners. And I'm just like, man, their technique is so much better than mine. <laughs> but, but I mean, I still knew I could beat them. We move on to the the move up and wait. Okay. <laughs> you, you know, you got, you're with the Minnesota training center, the, the Minnesota storm as you'd moved up here. Uh, of course, that's where I'm based out of. You go from 80, you, you don't go 85, you go up to 98. Jordan Holm is uh, the national team, uh, world team member at that spot. Was was it balancing it with Jordan, or were you just going, you know what, I'm just going to go way up? So, like, a little bit both. You know, Coach Chandler, uh, just speaking brutally honest with me, it was like, your best chance of making a team is not yet. Because, you know, every time, every time I wrestled Jordan, he kind of just kicks my butt, and I don't, I don't know what it is, but it's like I he always gets the best of me, and I mean, me, I'm still, like, I still could beat him, but, you know, so it was better for the team, and it was better for me, so Chandler wanted me to go 98. I had a lot of other coaches telling me they wanted me to go 98 because they're tired of seeing me cutting weight because 85 is no no cakewalk for making weight for me either. I'm like, I'm, I still have to cut a ton. When I was going 80, I would never be, like, sitting around 85, cutting down to 80. It's like I cut through 85 down to 80. You know, I'm, like, cutting from 94, 95 kilos even when I was going 80. So they knew how big I was. Like, even if I was just trying to be good, I'm still in the 90s. So I'm, I'm a big guy, and half of it was all what coaches were telling me. And then the other half was, like, so I had a great year. I didn't make the team at 80 in 2015. So, uh, like I said, the best thing for me to do when I'm feeling terrible is to get back out there and compete again. That's the only way I know how to make myself feel better. And so I didn't make a team at, at 80 in 2015. So I decided to go on to fund my own tour. I went to Norway, and then I went to uh wrestled the Spain Grand Prix and then I wrestled at the Polish tournament. I can't remember what it's called. Um but uh I was going there in the summer and I was you know I'm crazy so I was gonna cut down to eighty and show everybody that I deserve the spot, which just wasn't gonna get anything because it's like Pat Martinez is going. It's not like I beat everybody there that they're gonna let me wrestle them off again. 
but uh, but in my mind, I was like, I'm going to go to all those, and I'm going to go 80. And Chandler was kind of like, you're an idiot. Just go there, have fun, get better, and just wrestle what you weigh. So I just showed up at 94 kilos and wrestled in the Spain Grand Prix, and I medaled in it. I actually beat the guy. I beat the guy who beat me in this last in the Mongolia qualifier from Sweden. He qualified for the Olympics and he beat me. I beat him like six zero, weighing ninety four kilos, and I was wrestling great in ninety eight, and I ended up bronzing at that Spain Grand Prix. So everybody was like, "Hey, you know, maybe you should go ninety eight. And I started saying, "Like, yeah, you know, I could, I can get it done there." And you know, like part of me regrets. You know, I'm always gonna think, you know, would it have been better going eighty five? Would it have been you know, was it the right decision on 98? But I think it was the right decision. Um, I just didn't, I just, sadly just didn't get the weight qualified. Yeah, talking about getting the weight qualified, at least we'll back up to the Olympic trials in Iowa City. This is a this is a venue very few Division Three wrestlers get a chance to compete in. Uh, what was it like not just to compete in Iowa City at Carver-Hawkeye, but, but to win the tournament? I mean, your Olympic trials champion, nobody's going to be able to be take that away from you i mean that, that that's an iconic arena in the sport of wrestling man i've just i've always dreamed as a kid to wrestle in that atmosphere you know and i went to the i went to the iowa intensive camp as a kid and you know so i've done stairs at carver hawkeye and i've ran laps around carver hawkeye and i've just dreamed of wrestling there you know not necessarily as an iowa guy but wrestling there you know you know and, and, uh, you know, it never happened because I went D3. But uh, I went there in 2012 just to watch. I should have been competing, but I was just watching. And uh, I was like, man, this is the sweetest atmosphere. And wrestling there this year is kind of surreal. You know, I had to make sure I didn't think about it because I know my first match against Taylor, I was just kind of like, I ended up getting bombed and pinned. I was like looking around before I match. I'm like looking up at all the crowd and just the arena. I'm like, man, <laughs> I end up losing the match. I'm like, I'm not looking up again until I get my hand raised, <laughs> you know? So like I had to go out to the mat and just pretend like I'm on a practice mat or something, you know, like just completely ignore the atmosphere until I win. <laughs> and it was, it was something cool. It was, it was uh, super special. And, and to win it there, I mean, I mean, it's a dream come true, and it's it's just really, really bittersweet because I didn't become an Olympian. Uh, but I won the trials, and uh, hopefully, hopefully, I'll do that again. It was a magical experience that uh, I can't really put into words. Uh, all I could say is, if you're a wrestler listening, try and get there yourself and see it for yourself. How much do you feel like you're carrying a flag for for Division Three wrestlers on the international scene? A whole lot, a whole lot, and uh, I've uh, talked to a lot of people, other teams, and stuff like that. And support has been tremendous, and it's really cool to me because, you know, I really do take pride in coming from a smaller D3 school, and uh, I, I really, really bothers me that that a lot of people go and they wrestle D3 or they play sports at D3, and they think that oh, this is just D3, you know, and and they just like. You know, a lot of people just have that attitude, and that really bothered me. I was like, I don't care that this is D3. I'm going to try and get as good as I can. I'm going to try and be world-level guys, D1-level guys. And that was always my thing. I was like, you know, I was, I never wanted to go there and just be, oh, I'm just a D3 guy. And that attitude really bothers me. So every time I hear anybody 
coaches or wrestlers say that, you know, they're competing at, at junior trials or they're competing at universities or, you know, they, they want to do what I'm doing. That really, that really makes me proud and happy to see, you know, I know like that LaFever kid's definitely, definitely good enough to make some noise if he wants to in freestyle. I mean, I think he took third at junior trials um, in 15, didn't he? Yeah, it but, sounds uh, about right. But that, you know, I, I'm definitely carrying that D, D3 flag, just like I'm carrying that Chicago flag. You know, I, I take huge pride in that. Things that don't involve wrestling, Joe, you're always kind of a, a jovial, happy, smiling, joking type of individual, usually with a sandwich in your hand. But as, as we talk about things that you're doing uh, outside of wrestling, uh, you, you're trying to work out this stand-up comedy thing, and apparently by looking at your Snapchat, you love trees. I Help me figure this out. <laughs> yeah, you know, like uh, uh, <laughs> the stand-up comedy thing, you know, is it's re- it's really hard to do with is, with wrestling. Uh, it's it, it's really really hard. I'm always think I'm always letting jokes die. I'm always letting material die. Where like just in my everyday life, I'll get a group of people dying laughing at something, and then like some of my buddies are like you gotta write that down, and I'm like ah, I'm not gonna write it down. But I really should be writing everything down. But especially this year, um, with it being the Olympic year, I told myself I'm not gonna. I'm not going to do stand-up at all. I'm not going to worry about it. And, of course, I end up writing a lot of stuff, but I didn't actually go up there on stage at all. But, uh, man, it's just it's just one of those dreams I've always had. I've always, like, watched guys, you know, Saturday Night Live and funny movies, and I've always kind of been that class, class clown, you know, for better or for worse, always getting in trouble. But, uh, but. You know, it's one of my huge dreams. Whether or not I'll pursue it, uh, you know, I, I I don't know. It's something I really want to do, but it's also something like, you know, I don't know how much longer I'll be wrestling. Probably a while. Am I going to have the energy to chase another dream after that? And like, say I have, uh, if I ever want some sort of family life in the future, I'm not going to, it's not going to be easy to stand up. But I don't know. We'll cross that road when we get there, but I mean, I love comedy, and uh, right now, this year, I've kind of been more of a comedy fan than a comedian, uh, but that's something I really want to do, but I don't know after wrestling if I'll have it in me. We'll see, um, hopefully, and uh, the trees thing, man, I, I kind of got that from my dad. My dad's super into trees, but the, the difference between me and my dad is my dad will see a tree, and like, oh yeah, that's a catalpa, blah, 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 you know, and I, He'll be like, hey, uh, yeah, that's a spruce pine, uh, blah, blah, blah. And I'll just be like, this is a cool tree. And I'll just take a picture of it. I'm just a fan of this tree. I don't know anything about it. It's just cool. That's that's my difference. But I don't know. I got some kind of arborist love in me. I don't know what it is from my dad. I'm just trying to catch my breath right now, dude. I'm dying. Oh, Spruce yeah. Pride. That's a cool tree. Oh, dude, you're killing yeah. me here. I just trimmed my trees in the backyard. Or actually, I paid people to trim my trees in the backyard. I'm like looking at myself, going, man, I should have taken a picture of that for Joe. Yeah, seriously. Take a picture of your trees for me. Not in a weird way. You know? <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right. Uh, I forgot where I was going to go. You've totally got me sidetracked. Uh, yeah. Uh, I guess let's let's wrap this up talking about uh, – you know, 
the opportunities for wrestlers to to look at Division three and get like you know you can perform here, you can compete at the senior level, you can aspire to make Olympic teams, or as you said, Olympic faithful, not Olympic hopeful at, yeah. at the Division three atmosphere. So you know if you've got word of advice right. for kids that are you know, they may be state champions, you know, as to being walked on, or they may be you know state qualifiers that never placed, you know, in, in a non scholarship situation, Division three. I mean, what's what's the uh, the sales pitch for for any wrestler? To look at a you know division not just division three but uh, you know division two the NAIA. You know, like getting me getting me to wrestle D three, it was kind of like they just kind of told me that your best wrestling is ahead of you, and uh, I, and that's what I would tell somebody too. You know, if they were down the dumps about how high school went, and they loved the sport and they wanted to continue, you know, like you can go, you know, wherever you go, your best wrestling is ahead of you, and if you if you have it in you. Um, if it's in your faith, if you believe, and if you want to be a champion, and there's tons of examples, not just me, like Travel Delacna, he was D2, you know, a lot of guys like, you know, Rulon, he ended up going D1, but wasn't he at junior college before that? He was at like Rick's college or something like that, you know, and uh, for me, I always look at other people's stories, and I hope that I could be that story to some of these people too, you know, and I'm going to keep, I'm going to try, I want to be an Olympic champion, and hopefully, Hopefully, uh, people will, you know, be inspired by my story and where I came from. But, uh, you know, I think you work as hard as you as you possibly can and you wrestle your best. You can compete with anyone. I truly believe that. And uh, I feel like I'm, I'm going to keep trying to live that. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you want to be something. <laughs> it sounds corny, but don't let anybody tell you that you can't, especially yourself. To talk with Joe Rao here on episode 10 of the Ice Hour D3 Wrestling Podcast. Follow Joe on Twitter at Rousler. That's R-A-U-S-T-L-E-R 84. I don't know where the 84 comes from. I don't think you're going to change your handle because you've got followers. But, uh, uh, Joe, any other yeah. things you want to add uh, before we go? Actually, I did have one one question that I, I got sidetracked with. It just came back to my head when you were talking about that's a cool tree. Favorite stand-up <laughs> comedians. Who, who, are, who, are, who are your favorites? Oh, Man, I love Hannibal Burris, and uh, maybe I'm a little maybe I'm a little uh, biased because he's from Chicago, but I think he's super funny. He's got this like mellow comedy style that I think is hilarious. Um, there's a uh, what's his name, Jess Nick, is super like over the top, dark and inappropriate. I think he's hilarious, and John Mulaney is another Chicago guy that made it big. Those are some of my favorites, and then all the big names, of course, I'm a huge fan of too. And then we got a couple wrestlers. We got uh, you know Joe Narvaez. He was a wrestler. You got um, Mike Vecchione. He was a wrestler. And then uh, Greg Warren, of course, an All American University. Yeah, of Greg Missouri. Warren is pretty funny. My he's favorite though funny, is, yeah. is still Mitch Hedberg, the late Mitch Hedberg. Mitch Hedberg. Oh yeah, he's a, isn't he a Minnesota guy? He is. He is. Remember, I, we're not originally Minnesota guys, so I mean, we yeah, we, can, we can embrace that. Sure. Yeah, we can embrace, embrace that. It. <laughs> yeah, he's. He's got a totally different style. He's ridiculous. <laughs> and escalator can never be broken. It can only become stairs. <laughs> I, I could do. We could do this for hours. Let's let's just let's just yeah, end right. it right here, Joe. All right. Well, thanks, Jason. It's always fun.
show is part of the Matt Talk Podcast Network. For more wrestling podcasts, head over to matttalkonline.com.